three drinks in one. No one look, no one look, no pressure, no pressure. Okay, John, would you like to come on down? <laughs> You're the winner. Okay, yeah, come and take a seat. So I'm just going to pray for John. Um, John is an incredible man. We um, have had the pleasure of having him in our five by five. And beyond just the prayers he prays, John is totally hilarious. And I should never sit next to him in a prayer time. <laughs> Have the same sense of humor. Yeah, we do. Okay, so um, I've just really enjoyed. It's what's so great is that you get to mingle, you know, in those sorts of things. So yeah, I've just it's been great to hear. You know, John is a leader. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. He's someone that um, <laughs> is. <laughs> um, he's amazing, and so it's a privilege that we can hear from John um, today. So John, I just want to pray for you um, as you do that. Yeah, God, we thank you for John. We thank you for, um, yeah, the stories that he has, the life that he's led, and God, we just really pray now that, um, yeah, that you would speak through him. We thank you that he's felt like he has been given a word, and we just want to receive that with um, open hearts and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Um. Can John come up now, please, whoever he is? <laughs> okay. Um, this did start with a dream, I have to say. Can you hear me okay, by the way? Oh, all right, I better take this out then. Oh. Um, this did start with a dream, um, but it developed afterwards. That what Christy, sorry, what Charles said, um, was relative to the five by five and I said I, I didn't often dream spiritual dreams of any sort and um, if ever in fact and so Christy prayed for me and that very night I dreamed um, something which was probably a bit more spiritual than usual and um, what are you thinking <laughs> and uh, so that led to me coming into Ezra and Nehemiah, a very exciting part of the Bible, I think, um, where the Jews return uh, from 70 years in exile in Babylon. And they returned in three parts with three different leaders. And my thinking was there are some parallels here for us. Uh, we've been in lockdown for 70, uh, no not 70 years, we've been in lockdown, it seems like 70 years to me. I know some mums have enjoyed homeschooling and things like that, but um, it's been a long time, but we're back together now, second time, and it's great to be back together. But I think there are some things that we just need to bear in mind as we, as we come back together. Um, things that would stand us well for the future and remind us uh, of who we are. So, um, you can't, I don't know if any of you did manage to read Ezra and Nehemiah. It's about 20 chapters plus over the week. I think Wendy did, didn't you? Partly? No, perhaps? All right, nobody did. Don't worry. You'll be so excited you're going to do this after, I don't know, after today. But anyway, the story... Um, uh, runs through these three guys who lead different groups back to Jerusalem and all of them all of them were sent by the the kings of the time they were sp spaces of years between the return of the three groups but um, 
they were sent with uh, the best permission you could ever get, really, from the king of um, the exiled country that they were in. The first group that came back was led by a gentleman called Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, um, I didn't realise this, but I found out he was the grandson of King Jehoiachin, if I pronounce that right, Rosemary, um, who was the one of the last kings of Judah uh, before the captivity. So in effect, he was the head of the tribe of Judah. So he was a good man to bring the people back into um, their freedom again in, in Jerusalem. He was effectively the head of the tribe of Juba, sent by King Cyrus at the time to establish the temple. That was his job. The king had sent him back to establish the temple. So what do we learn from this part of Ezra? This is in the first part of the book of Ezra. In relation to us returning as a people, what is establishing the temple all about? It's about establishing our worship in our community life, if you like. I know we have a personal um, life of worship, but it's important that we establish worship. It wasn't just worship what we were doing this morning. Yes, it was our worship time, but worship is more than that, isn't it? It's a lifestyle. It's what we do um, as individuals. It's what we do corporately. And why do we do it? We do it because it represents the growth of our relationship with the Father, with the Father, with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. God, um, worship is ultimately about that relationship, about the um, and the key to His presence. And without worship, we can't truly have a joy about our salvation, about our relationship with Jesus. What does it say in the Bible? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So it's not just about a good time, or wouldn't the worship good today? You know, worship is that lifestyle, and it's important, one of the important things as we get back together, that we remember that this is a real key thing for us. Because if we want to see the presence of God amongst us and hear what God has to say, then we need to be worshippers. We need to be engaged in this worship. This is a famous saying, Archbishop William Temple said, Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of the mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of his will to his purpose. All this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless, selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Where is the centre of our worship? It's not in this building, is it? It's in us, in the community. So important that we remember as we are coming back together that worship is integral to our life as people. The second group of people that came back to Israel was led by Ezra. Ezra again was sent by a king. He was a gifted scribe, a teacher, a descendant of Aaron. Ezra had found favour in the Persian courts and he'd, that was during the reign of Artaxerxes, 
So we've moved on a king here. And I forgot to say, but the, in the first um, group coming back, there was opposition. There was opposition. People who were already living in Jerusalem, they didn't like what was happening. They didn't like the fact that the Jews were coming back to establish themselves back in the town. So they actually hindered the building of the temple. And it was years before the building restarted. Ezra was sent to try and boost that. But in the meantime, we see that um, the work restarted only because Zerubbabel uh, began to listen to the pr prophetic word that was given by Haggai and Zechariah. You can go into other books around this time of Haggai and Zechariah and you can read what they say. Without these prophetic words, without letters going back and forth to the king, the building of the temple would never have restarted and never have been completed um, when Ezra came along. Zechariah told him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Haggai told him, is this time for you to be living in your panelled houses? In other words, you've forgotten what you've come here for. You've let it lapse. You, you, you've dropped the whole thing. You've given up. And he was saying, come on, don't give up. Let's get back to the job that you were sent here for, establishing that worship. And we need the prophetic, don't we? That's another thing we need. We need the prophetic to move us on. We don't want to stand still. We don't want to get lost. We don't want to forget what we're here for. We want the prophetic to move us on to uh, God's purposes. Anyway, back to Ezra. It says in Ezra 7.10, he had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So he was a well-trained Bible teacher, if you like, educated in the Old Testament. And under Ezra's leadership, this second group, joining the first group, would experience a, a season of moral, social, spiritual reformation as they recommitted themselves to the word of God. Secondly, second important thing for us as we come back together is going to be the word of God. Now that's obvious, I suppose, isn't it? But if you think about it, the word of God is a really important thing. What Ezra did was remind them of their history, remind them of who they were, what they were there for, their testimony. And it's important that we understand that's something we need to be latching onto. Our testimonies are important, who we are, what we are, reminding ourselves of what we're here for, what we're going to do. The word of God will help us do that because it says it, things like 1 Peter chapter 2, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Don't we need to be reminded of those things from time to time? that we are chosen, that we've got a purpose, that God has placed us 
somewhere, I don't know where he's placed you, but he's placed you somewhere right now that you can be effective for him, that you can preach the gospel, share the word, give your testimony, say something about the life you live and the journey that you're on. So that was Ezra. And then we come to the third group. This was led by Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is an astounding character. If you read the book of Nehemiah, it's quite an incredible um, set of passages. Here was another man who was very close to the king of his time. And he was really upset when he heard from some returning Jews that the walls of the city, you know, the temple was built, but the walls of the city were broken down. He was really upset about that. And the king said to him, why are you so upset? So he told him, I'm just, I'm just upset that these walls are broken down and they need building up again. So again, the king sent Nehemiah by royal decree to build the walls. What do we learn from Nehemiah? First of all, strong leadership. This man was an incredible leader. If you read through the book, the way he dealt with situations uh, when people rebelled against uh, the whole thing of building the walls, when people in his own group got fed up with building the walls, when um, he went back to Babylon and then came back again, they'd all stopped and he had to encourage them again to get going. He was an amazing guy. Strong leadership is important, isn't it? Really great to see that we've got some good guys coming into house church leadership. May there be more of that sort of thing. And it's good to see John, Christy and Charles in leadership. Good leaders. They need our prayers, they need our encouragement, they need our love, they need our challenges at times as well. I remember being challenged as a leader. Not really nice sometimes, but, <laughs> but we need it. We all need it. And strong leadership is one of the things that we learn here. He trusted God when he faced problems. He didn't just try and work it out for himself. He said, right, I'm getting back to God. I'm going to pray about this. And he prayed about it. He sought God for the answer. Fasted, prayed, and acted. He didn't just fast and pray, he acted as well. And things happened, things changed. It wasn't all smooth, but he got through it all because he trusted God. He had a heart for his city. Most of his life was away from it because he didn't come into it as a child, he came into it as a grown man, but he knew his ultimate calling and saw it in God and saw it fulfilled. And he built the walls at the end of the day. He built the walls. Interesting thing about wall, the walls is that they had gates as well. The walls protect us, don't they? They protected the city. And in the same way, we need walls that protect us. But we also need gates for us to go out as well from the city, strengthened, assured, knowing that um, God is with us. Gates are literally a gateway to mission. Final point, final point for Nehemiah as well, persistence, particularly in prayer. We can learn here about intercession. And if I didn't say anything else today, um, it's probably the most important thing I want to say. I think we need to become intercessors. 
I think intercession needs to become one of the main things that we are doing. We are a prayer community. We are 24-7 prayer. Proximity, 24-7 prayer. Charles referred to it. Look at these praying people. They can't stop. Well, we need to up our game as well into intercession. That's what Nehemiah did. To get the job done, he interceded. It's interesting that um, in intercession, um, one of the things you do is talk to God before you, before you act. God, what do you want me to do? And if God tells you, that's what you do. Now, Jane uh, and I committed to praying to a situation, which I won't uh, specify, but we committed to praying to a situation. And the very next morning, she has a friend who sends over these scriptures day by day. It's like a daily reading thing. She's in Spain. And the scripture is right on for this situation. It was amazing, really. So she said, look at this scripture. So I said, well, what you need to do now is pray it back to God. Because obviously God showed you this. And relevant to the situation, he wants you to pray that back to God. Here's the scripture that um, says that's the way we should work. Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it's sent. So God tells you things for a purpose. He doesn't just tell you things, oh, that was nice, I you know, thought, I'll, nice scripture for the day. If you've been praying about something and God speaks to you about that, pray it back to him. Because that's what he wants you to do. And that's what Nehemiah did. He prayed, he fasted, and he acted on the word of God. Intercession works together with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, words of knowledge, tongues, discernment to guide us all. So again, it's important that we are seeking gifts from God in order that we hear from God in order that we can work together as a community to see things fulfilled, to see things grow, to see things change, to see new tables in the hall. So, you know, these are things that I would encourage us to do. Five things, in fact. Dig into the Bible. Keep digging into the Bible. Sometimes I, frankly, I have times when, you know, the Bible's not really near me for a, for a day or two or a week or something like that. And... Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's just a fact. I, I just, for some reason, get myself too busy doing other things so I don't read the word as I should read the word. Well, I need to, you know, remind myself that it's important that I do dig into the word. Pursue the relationship with God. Be worshippers. Number two, pursue the relationship with God. Be worshippers. When you've got a situation, number three, ask and wait. I wonder how I should pray. Father, I'm going to ask you, stop and just ask God and wait. Wait till God speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, pray it back. It's called co-laboring. Co-laboring with God, with Jesus, in intercession. Pursue the gifts, number four. And number five, trust in the master plan of God. God has a master plan. 
you and I are puzzle pieces. We don't have the whole thing. We don't know the whole thing, but we're all puzzle pieces. Might be a little bit in the corner, but it doesn't matter. You're part of the puzzle, and we're important to each other. This is one big puzzle here. I don't know if all the pieces are in place. There's one there, look, behind you. <laughs> but, you know, we want to get that puzzle so we can see what's being said here, don't we? See what's happening here. See what God wants us to see. And that's what I want to see. If you're here today and you, um, you know, you're just thinking about Jesus, thinking about some of the things that have been said, we're all on a journey. I think the journey is, word has been used a couple of times today, but we're all on a journey. We're all in different places on our journey. If you want to know more about the journey, ask somebody, talk to somebody. How are you on your journey? What are you doing? What's God saying to you? How did you become a Christian? It's so important that you just ask that question. I think that will do. I think that's it. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> the dream <laughs> it wasn't as I say it wasn't a specific um, thing it was it was more about um, well it was around intercession really it was around prayer and the need to pray and that kind of led me to Nehemiah so that obviously led me to the three the story that runs through Ezra and Nehemiah. So it was about the need to pray, or the need to pray more intently. Um, as I say, it's not a usual sort of dream that I get. But um, thank, thank you, Christy, <laughs> for, for that happening. But that, that generally was what it was about. There was a situation that um, really needed some prayer. And I was challenged by that. I'm, in fact, I'm challenged by the whole thing of intercession at the moment. And uh, really do think it's an important step for us to think about. Okay, amen, Charles. Thank you so much, John. See, 